Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. I am Brett, and I am here, as always, with my favorite podcast co-host, Steve. Steve, how are you doing? You know, I was really excited to to like lead into this show talking about how I was genuinely convinced that the Big Ten was going to get three teams in the Sweet 16, and then the Maryland-Illinois game happened, so that's how I'm feeling. That's fair. I think... Honestly, I was also thinking about this today, and it, it is kind of an interesting microcosm, I think, the Big Ten as a whole of the college basketball as a whole in terms of, like, I don't think there's any team in the country that anyone would say is the best team, especially after what an insane week this was with, I think, eight teams in the top ten losing, um, if my math is correct. And, you know, it, it, it goes to show in, like, the Big Ten – as we'll get to, especially the Maryland, Maryland Illinois game, there are a lot of teams that can kind of at random take out teams that you would not expect them to. So um, I think we're we're setting the table for what should be a very jumbled like middle of the conference, but middle being basically seeds three through thirteen. So I'm very excited to see what happens. Um, but before we we do that, I think it's time to talk about the week that was um, and. I think we got to start with the team that everyone expected to be in first place in the Big Ten with an undefeated 5-0 and record, uh, and that is the Wisconsin Badgers, who had a you know, uh, a big week this week. Two two wins at Ohio State and um, home holding off Northwestern at home. Um, so they are 5-0. and They are alone in first place uh, by two games, or, or I guess a game and a half. Uh, they, they have a game in – or Purdue and Indiana both have – a game in hand there um, at four and two. Um, so what a week for the Badgers. Um, and it was interesting because they won these games with a little bit of a different offensive recipe. And by that, I mean, Steph Curry showed up in Madison stuffed into a number 11 Jersey uh, of Max Klesmet as Max Klesmet has now in his last three halves of basketball uh, put up, I believe 46 points. In, in his in his last couple halves, someone will also check my math on that, I'm sure. Um, but he led the way with 24 against um, Northwestern, including five seven from three, and uh, he also had 18 points in the second half in, uh, at Ohio State. You know, this kind of goes to show what we've been talking about with the Badgers for a couple of weeks now, where really anyone can kind of come in and lead this team in scoring. Um, it was a little bit of an off game for AJ Starr shooting the ball against Northwestern, but they were able to get it done. Um, and, you know, against Ohio State, they were able to go and grind out a road win in a in a season where road wins have been very, very rare. Um, so, Steve, I guess, what are you seeing from the Badgers now? And do you think that, you know, obviously going undefeated in this conference is, is just not going to happen? But, I mean, with their run of play, do you think they can keep up this level of play? So, I think you hit on the the theme with the the Badgers this year is that it's it's a different guy every game, right? And that um, in some ways is a reflection. I mean, it, it, it's funny because we've now harped on this as a theme on this podcast for the last couple of years. But I, I think part of Wisconsin underachieving last year led to a cohesive roster, you know, this year with a lot of guys that returned. And so um, while a lot of teams even halfway you know past the halfway point in the season at this point are still like working through how to play together uh, these guys on, on Wisconsin all all know how to play together and they know that it can be 
klezmit one night store the next night crawl the the night the 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 night after that and it's funny they're really doing all this with that with without chucky hepburn really being that like statistically productive um but you know i think when you zoom out holistically and i think i said this last week they're they're playing like the wisconsin of old which means ball control long possessions um rebounding uh like i said not turning the ball over um, do, doing all the fundamentals right and making big shots late in possessions. And, and I think if you watch that Northwestern game, I mean, I actually came away from that Wisconsin Northwestern game somehow more impressed with Northwestern than I did with Wisconsin because effectively they jacked up a couple of prayers late in that game, you know, that uh, went in by, by Klesman and Starr down the stretch. Um, but in a way it doesn't matter how impressed I was with Northwestern because it was Wisconsin coming away with a win at the end of that. So um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's getting contributions from different guys on different nights and playing complete games and reverting back to the fundamentals of, of old where they really have a complete roster, um, you know, from player one to player seven in their rotation. And they've got guys that, that do everything. Yeah, uh, absolutely agree. And I think, you know, you you know you said that obviously Chucky Hepburn has not been showing up in the scoring column like he has he was the last couple of years but you're still seeing him you know make really good decisions with the ball and he doesn't have to shoulder as much of a load this year so he's able to be more of a playmaker and defender which is what this team needs a couple of things to keep an eye on uh, Steve Crowell was questionable heading into the Ohio State game uh, with a knee contusion and so you know he he looked a little uh, you know, encumbered by it uh, this week. So that's something to keep an eye on, but it looks like you should clear that should clear up. And I think, you know, talking about Northwestern for a second, I was, you know, it was, it was the boo booey show for the most part, 22 points on uh, 16 attempts from the field. Uh, Barnheiser kind of showed up in the second half against Wisconsin. Tiberi and, and Langborg were mostly nowhere to be found uh, offensively. And this this game specifically, and we've talked about this a, a lot with Northwestern, showed that their big guys just aren't going to help, aren't, aren't going to win them a lot of games. And, you know, Nicholson got in got in early foul trouble, fouling twice on offensive rebound opportunities. Um, Martinelli, you know, is is not really going to give you a ton on the offensive end. Um, and Luke Hunger isn't either. So I think – and they're not great rim protectors either. So, you know, even with a, a hobbled crawl, he was still able to pass effectively out of their post doubles. And I think that, you know, if Northwestern can't get more contributions from their front court, then they could be in trouble, especially if they keep going on some of these, these long scoring droughts also. Yeah. And I mean, I think the last possession of that Wisconsin game was kind of a microcosm of that, where Wisconsin basically took, took down the last 80 seconds of the game with, uh, I, I forgot if they were up, three or four at that point but um you know northwestern missed like you know they gave up i think three or four offensive rebounds on um you know a set of possessions to wisconsin that spanned call it the minute 15 mark to like with 25 seconds left and so that effectively iced the game for wisconsin um and i, I thought that possession honestly at the end was a microcosm of northwestern's issues uh but I, I think again if you're a northwestern fan you say well you know that like that's what it took for Wisconsin to beat us, you know, at the Kohl Center. I think um, you still walk away with your your head held high um, with the Northwestern team that's going to bring it, you know, because of their defense, no matter where they play. Totally agreed. Yeah. So I think now we should move into what was probably what was the the win of the week um, for sure, and that was 
Nebraska taking out number one Purdue at home. Um, you know, it was Nebraska's first win over a team ranked number one since 1982. Uh, so shout out to the Huskers for getting that done, enjoying a well-deserved court storm. Um, and I mean, you're not you're just not going to lose many games when you shoot 61 percent from three, as Nebraska did. They got five from Tominaga. C.J. Wilcher shot three for four from three. And even like they did in the Wisconsin game, even though they lost, they're hitting all these crazy contested threes. And, you know, maybe not super sustainable, but what is what is sustainable and what can travel is is defense. And, you know, Purdue did shoot 40, almost 40 percent from three, but they really mucked it up inside with with their size and and mast. And, you know, they aren't the biggest team, but mast and Alec are a decent post duo. Uh, and really, really bothered Purdue's offense in getting to the rim. Uh, Zach Eady was six for ten from the field, but uh, for 15 points and only had seven rebounds. So that was just a huge win for for anybody. Um, and the they didn't get the same size contribution from Trey Kaufman Wren. And you know, if if Nebraska shoots like this, it's it's they're they're going to be very hard to beat. Would you would you not agree with that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a couple other headlines from this game. You know, I believe Edie was in foul trouble for a good chunk of the first half there, which allowed Nebraska to kind of shoot off to their lead. And I, again, there's a lot of social media talk about, you know, does Edie get a fair whistle? And, you know, that's not going to go away throughout the season. But I think, you know, you saw sort of what happens to Purdue when Edie goes to the bench. That's not been anything new again over the last couple of years of this this team's run but I, I think the part of the fun part really of Purdue taking these two road losses early in the conference season is it it feels like the conference is kind of up for grabs um I, I don't like Purdue's still gonna win on the road you know and I think over the course of a long conference season you know they're they're still gonna <laughs> probably end up at the top of the conference but um, it makes it a little bit fun for the a jumble of teams and the rest of the pack here. Well, the only other um, performance from Nebraska that I want to call out was Bryce. Bryce Williams had had nine, eleven, and nine. You know, almost uh, a triple double. Uh, and again, with when this team can get out and run, and you know, um, and he's the one sort of leading the charge. I mean, you you see what this team's capable of. I mean, for Nebraska, they they arguably have more to play for than any other team in the conference when it comes to like needing to win this year um, and just the importance of that in the Hoiberg era and for this sort of cohort of players. Um, and so it like, I don't think this is going to be the first sort of game where they get an, a, a performance that's so above like their expectation because they need these strung together in order to make the tournament and get this program back to where they want it to be. So I know we sort of warned about this last week potentially happening, but this Nebraska team, you know, they can run and they're a lot of fun. And that was not. They are. Ha. Well, hey, you're a poet and you didn't even know it. Um, yeah. And I think the, the interesting thing with Nebraska is we saw the flip side of what happens when they aren't shooting the three ball at 60%. Uh, when they went to Iowa City and got blown out by the Hawkeyes, uh, they gave up 94 points uh, to Iowa. And yeah, sure, they still they scored 76 points um, in a 70 possession game. So Nebraska was still over a point per possession, but uh, Iowa scored 1.3 points per possession. Uh, and that will not win you many games if you're giving that up. Um, 
you know, Owen Freeman kind of continuing to build a, a, star, a strong name for himself, uh, 22 points on 13 shots and his first career double double, I believe. Um, Iowa getting Patrick McCaffrey back was big, but Nebraska four for 26 from three kind of told the story because they actually went 26 to 37 inside the two point arc, uh, which highlights, you know, Iowa's defensive struggles. But so, you know, maybe there's a little bit of question to be called to the game plan that if you're shooting 70% from inside the arc, you should not stop shooting from inside the arc. Um, especially if you're shooting 15% from three, but I'm not a basketball coach. So, a team like Nebraska that really emphasizes that sort of, you know, performance from three, I, we, that was, this is the other side of that coin. Well, sure. But also, I mean, I think this is just, again, a reminder that the bottom of this conference has, has some punch to it. I mean, Iowa, I, I, I know Iowa's kind of a funny team and it continues to be a funny team and will always be a funny team. So long as like Fran McCaffrey's there. 30 assists on 35 field goals. I mean, that is that is insanely awesome. Um, you know, Tony Perkins had had 15 of those those 30 field goals. And like you said, you know, you you look up and down and it's six guys in double figures, which is really hard to do um, in the college game. So and, and I was been doing this all year. You know, this has like it, we look up and they have 90 point game of 90 point game. Um, will they make the tournament? No. Will they finish even in the like middle of the conference. No, this is probably a, a bottom quartile of the conference team, but you know, this just shows that, I mean, the conference has punch at the bottom of it. And um, we still don't know who exactly, like, we still don't know what the hierarchy of teams there. We, we are still having conversations about who we think the worst team in the conference is. Um, and, and we still don't know, but um, yeah, the, the bottom of the conference has, has some punch to it. Don't forget that. This is a reminder of it. We would never want anybody to forget that. Um, However, speaking of the bottom of the conference, we, you know, we did Purdue did get a bounce back game against Penn State and uh, was able to handle them, uh, you know, but with with 95 points of their own. So uh, it was good to see Purdue not get caught up in that. And Zach Eady bounced back with a highly efficient 10 for 12 from the field, 10 for 14 from the line for uh, another 30 point game with 30 and 20. That's insane he's really good so you know purdue definitely was able to bounce back from that road loss um and we'll, we'll see how they handle themselves on the road going forward um now for a game we had mentioned earlier i guess it was a little more than an illusion was um the maryland terrapins uh a two-win week which is uh you know a lot more than we could have said about all some earlier stretches of their season um they went they got they picked up a home win against Michigan uh, despite being down by double digits at halftime and then went to Illinois and really took it to the Illini, you know, winning 76 67. The they led for the last 30 minutes of the, or for about the, you know, basically the last second half, something like that. Yeah, they were they were up for a, a large portion of this game. They had a really, really strong second half and it was the Jameer Young and Julian Reese show. Um and, you know, 28 for, for Young and 20 for Reese. Uh, Reese had a monster game, 11 rebounds as well. And really, it re- this game really highlighted um, the lack of rim protection that Illinois has because, um, you know, Reese is a load to handle on the post. And he, you know, was was a little too much for Coleman Hawkins. Dane Danger only played 10 minutes. So Underwood is really, you know, electing to go small in the absence of Terrence Shannon, um, maybe for depth reasons and and maybe just because, 
you know, that's just kind of the five best guys they can put out there. But again, as we've mentioned with the Illini, every starter besides Coleman Hawkins played over 30 minutes and Coleman Hawkins fouled out at 29 minutes. Um, and, you know, this the Maryland was really able to force things inside. Um, Jameer Young made all of his field goals inside the arc. Um, Maryland didn't shoot it well from three uh, and still won by nine. So I think this game, I think, tells us more about Maryland and the fact that Maybe they are slowly starting to figure it out. You know, they, they've put together two – they're on a two-game winning streak um, and and have looked just a, generally a lot more put together than they have in the past. Well, so yes and no, right? I, I think um, for those of you that watched the first half of the Maryland-Michigan game on Thursday, that was um, some really, really atrocious basketball. And it was said that – says on multiple occasions when, when Michigan's involved this year, which – uh, we'll probably talk about that in another podcast later in the year. But um, point point being in that game, you know, it took a lot for Maryland. You know, they were down double digits at home and were able to mount a comeback and come back there. And then they were also down. A, I don't believe double digits. They were down a fair amount early on the road here and were able to pull it together and win. Um, I, I think this is more, though, about the slow decline of the Illini than it is. Maryland per se, just because, you know, again, I think we were a little bit, um, we were a little bit just surprised that Illinois, after the loss of Shannon, you know, they, they throttled Northwestern in that first game back. And even, you know, they, um, they got a win over Michigan state earlier this week where they looked sort of like a, a tough big 10 team. That's, you know, going to do everything they can to defend their home court. But I mean, you're going to run out of guys at some point. And, you know, you've correctly brought up their depth issues well before the Terrence Shannon thing happened. And, you know, you just like when you play this way, you're going to have to play perfect to win on a regular basis. Right. Like Domas had 26 points, but he had five turnovers to go along with that. You know, Gary Air cannot have like seven points in a game like this and have Illinois expect to win. Um, you cannot allow, if you're the Illini, you cannot allow fresh, you know, the freshman guard Deshaun Harris-Smith to grab eight rebounds on you and expect to win. And so, um, you know, I, I stand by what I said. I think Underwood's doing a lot better of a job to get these guys to fight in a way that they haven't yet. But they're going to run out of horses um, at, at some point. I feel like they're one inj- injury away from really, like, um, throwing how to <laughs> – a fifth starter that's like not a competitive D1 player. And that's a, a tough place to to be in if you're the Illini right now. Right. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more on, on how, you know, how we should be viewing the Illini kind of with context right now. And that's, that's important because this team still does have a lot of firepower. You you've mentioned that, that Domask has been playing well recently and, and Goody and, and Gary can still get you, get you points. Um, and they were able to hold off a very game, Michigan State team earlier in the week, um, a you know a, a game that was kind of back and forth down the stretch, and you know you, you you're sort of seeing Michigan State figure it out more. It's always gonna be it, it's hard to win in Champaign, uh, I guess, unless you're Maryland, because I I think Illinois lost like something like three or four straight to Maryland right now, so that is one of the funnier winning streaks uh, I think, especially given given recent context. But um, you know Illinois, despite their depth issues and despite Danger only playing five minutes, so they were running. Everyone played at least say it's six guys play the rest of that game, which is 
it's just insane to think about the fact that it's mid-January and that's that's what's happening. Um, but you know, Tyson Walker didn't shoot great from three, and that was you know, Michigan State didn't shoot it well really at all from three, and that was kind of the story. Um, so you know, Illinois still has it in them to grind out some of these wins, but I think asking for all of them even at home is is going to be a lot to ask. Um, and then finally we had, uh, you know, five teams go one and one this week. We had Michigan state Rutgers and Indiana, um, all won at home and lost on the road. And then we had Northwestern and Illinois as, as mentioned. So any, any takeaways you have kind of from that group of teams before we get to the preview? You know, I, I really don't know. I mean, I know we've been saying this for like weeks now, but I really don't know what to make of Michigan state. Um, on the one hand, like sometimes you watch these guys and you're like, yeah, like, you know, it, they look the part, like, right. Like they, they look like they're a tournament team. Um, and, and then you, you turn around and you look at their record and they're two and four in the big 10, 10 and seven. Like that is not a, you know, they've got to win over Baylor, but a lot of, a lot of losses piled up against good teams. This is not like look on paper, like a, a tournament team, but the for lack of bad losses may, may you know put them in a spot where they kind of still have a a fighting shot you know and and to that point like they're currently sitting at 22 in the net which is just insane but you know six of their seven losses are, are quad one losses which um you know are sort of no no big deal if if you're the net so it'll be interesting to again kind of see how this team manages it from game to game but i thought really good sign for them to you know, come out and get the victory against the the Scarlet Knights on on Sunday of this week. I, I think maybe the other thing I just note is you know Rutgers was really in in need of a win um, coming into this week, and they got it against Indiana at home. It was good to see them, you know, show some fight. I think you know they they'd started to show it a little bit last week, playing you know two sort of tough road games. They weren't able to emerge victorious, but um, it seems like since the new year, they've sort of had a little bit of an imbalanced schedule where they've been on the road more than they've been home. And so, you know, I, I think that team still has some fight left in it. And we'll see what happens with them when the schedule flips. flips. Um, and, you know, again, Indiana, you know, they, they lost to Rutgers, but turned around and were able to fend off a, a hot Minnesota team on, on Friday. So in in the opposite way that Michigan State has a lot of losses um, but still is sort of has a good net ranking. Indiana's kind of the exact opposite where they've piled up a ton of wins, but um, the resume makers aren't um, really impressed by anything that they've done up to this point. They're, they're sitting at 97th in the net um, despite uh, a 12 and five record. They, they, they don't have a quad one win yet. And 10 of their 12 wins are, are quad three and quad four wins. So it, it's good. Indiana's probably, you know, the uh, more so than any of these teams that have piled up a lot of early wins on, on easy schedules, you know, it's going to be so important for them to pick up road wins and to pick up quality home wins and um, not to get out in front of ourselves, but they're going to have a really good opportunity to do that. Uh, this next week here. Yeah, I think I think to really kind of hammer home your point about resume and, and how they're being viewed, uh, Bracket Matrix right now, which which is the aggregator of all of the bracketology predictions, 
uh, has Michigan State as the last 10 seed right now and has Indiana only one person out of the, I think, 100 or so, question mark? Yeah, like, thir- like 35 or so uh, brackets right now have only one has Indiana in the tournament at all. So, you know, the 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 this way you schedule and, and how you're winning does really kind of show. And I think, you know, it, it all kind of came to a head with it for Indiana with this awful looking game against Rutgers uh, where they scored 57 points and 75 possessions. And I mean, they held they held Rutgers to under a point per possession. Usually when that happens, you can grind out a win, but not if you score, not if you shoot even worse than that. And it all got compounded as Xavier Johnson hit Antoine Wolfolk in the in the groin and got ejected. And it it you some you know so it was good, really good to see Indiana just kind of be, be able to like you said fend off a, a Minnesota team that's playing really well. Um, and Indiana actually hit 43% from three that game on on decent volume. Um, so it looked like Mbako Mbako was getting his shot back, and and they were and Ware and Renew are still you know continuing to be efficient in the post against some of these smaller teams. So. You know, it, it looked like things could have be could be could have been going off the rails for Indiana a little bit, um, but they still have a lot to go, uh, a lot of time or a lot of things, a lot of wins to make up. Excuse me, uh, you know, and quality wins too uh, before they even start sniffing the tournament. Um, so that's that's the week that was. And before we get into a preview, um, I would like to thank Brewbags Coffee Company for sponsoring this episode. And I want to let you all know that you can rediscover your ritual with Brewbags Coffee Company and their single serving flavored cold brew pouches. Whether you're looking for an easy way to make great cold brew, uh, you want to save time in your busy morning, or you want to have coffee your way on the road, brew bags are so easy that you can brew them in your sleep and they are so delicious that you will want to wake up in the morning. Uh, you can still get free shipping to celebrate the la- and 10% off to celebrate the launch of brew bags by using discount code launch 10 L A U N C H one zero to take 10% off your order at brewbagscoffee.com. Thank you so much again to Brewbags for sponsoring this podcast. Okay. So a uh, big week ahead of us and we get started tomorrow morning, Monday morning, uh, I believe an 11 AM central tip between Ohio state and Michigan. Um, I mean, it's 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 no secret, and I don't think I'm being uh, I don't think I'm exaggerating, but uh, Michigan's season is slowly careening off the rails. They've lost five in a row, uh, and you know they get an Ohio State team uh, that just lost to Wisconsin, um, you know, it, at Chrysler Arena. But again, Monday morning, uh, not really sure what time, what kind of atmosphere we can expect. But um, Ken Palm does grade this as a one point game. So I think we should see something close. Obviously Doug McDaniel will be playing in this game and he's going to be key to trying to slow down Bruce Thornton on the wing. Um, you know, it's, it's a game where there could be opportunities for, for Kamwa um, against, you know, against Zed key. Um, but I think what Ohio state's really going to want to do is try and get Jamison battle going. He got off to a hot start against the Badgers um, and has been shooting, 47% from three this year. So, um, you know, if battle can get comfortable running off screens and get even just a, a couple inches of space, he's going to be able to, to rip off some shots and, um, you know, he'll probably see a lot of Namari Burnett. So I'm, I'm interested to see that battle, um, specifically. So should be a close game. I know what I'm doing tomorrow morning and, uh, it's going to be a fun one. And then we have, uh, Iowa going to the barn, uh, Minnesota. Um, you know, if, if Minnesota is, really gonna gonna show 
the conference that they mean business and and aren't just a flash in the pan after a hot start, uh, they should win this game. Um, you know, I, I think that Garcia is going to be big. Iowa, we've really talked about how they are not great at uh, defending to the, in like in the paint. Um, you know, Freeman's Freeman's a solid defender, but Garcia's got loads of experience and and will be able to give him all he can handle. Um, and we should see a lot of Payne and Ola Joseph hitting the boards. Um, and we'll want, and I think Minnesota fans will want to see Hawkins and Mitchell bounce back from a slow start. And we'll see if Iowa can keep just scoring a bunch of points and hoping to outscore their opponents. All right. On Tuesday, like I mentioned before, um, a big opportunity for Indiana to pick up a quality win when the Purdue Boilermakers come to town. Uh, this is a rivalry game, right? Right, Brett. So we throw out the records here. Uh, if there's one spot I'm looking for in this game, it is down low where um, Khalil Ware and Zach Eady will likely face off very different, um, like dif- differently built big guys. Um, but it'll be interesting to see the sort of different skill sets that those two guys have. But that's definitely the match to watch. Also looking to see what Xavier Johnson brings in sort of his, his first game back in this rivalry in a while. Um, and then Wisconsin heads to State College to take on the Nittany Lions. Uh, like I said before, the bottom of the, this conference still brings some punch. Um, this is not going to be an easy road game for Wisconsin. Um, I'm looking again down low. Um, Kudis Wuhab has been playing playing pretty decently of late. Um, and so it will be interesting to see how Tyler Wall and Steve Crow play against, you know, his, his big active body. And he's been elbowing guys a lot too. Got involved in, involved in a, a number of replay reviews related to his elbows. I don't know if that's an actual stat or not, but watch out for that as well. Also, we've talked about how Wisconsin has been good at taking, taking care of the ball, but Ace Baldwin has been a menace um, from a steal standpoint, the last couple of games too. And also don't forget about Kanye Cleary. Cleary. He's, He's been scoring in bunches of late. Um, if he can get hot at home, the the Nittany Lions might be able to pull off the upset. Moving on to Wednesday, we have uh, the unstoppable object and the immovable force in Nebraska heading to the rack. Uh, another one-point game projected by Ken Palm featuring Nebraska's 28th-ranked offense on, per Ken Palm and Rutgers' 8th-ranked defense. So, Something's going to give, um, you know, we've seen both iterations of Nebraska this past week, the hitting shots variety and the not hitting shots variety. And if they can continue hitting contested shots, uh, they will likely be able to at least stymie the Rutgers offense that is now ranked 254th, which, man, I thought it was bad last week and it got even worse. Um, so I, I think, you know, that side of the the, the Nebraska offense Rutgers defense battle is really what's going to drive this game. Um, and if, if Rutgers can, can, you know, run guys like Tominaga off the three point line and, and just keep getting in their faces on, on shots, um, and not let too much, you know, in the paint, uh, they should be able to win, but I do think Nebraska is going to return to form a little bit with their shot making and, and be able to escape the rack with a win. And then we have Maryland heading to, uh, Welsh Ryan to take on Northwestern, um, you know, Northwestern's obviously going to be going to be stinging a little bit from letting a close game in Madison slip away, um, while Maryland has now won two in a row, uh, including you know in Champaign. Um, so I think this is going to be a battle of of the star guards in in Bowie and Young going at it, and I'm really excited to to see how they play off each other. 
Um, and you know, if, if Reese can really kind of establish himself in the post against Nicholson and hunger, uh, I think this could, this is a game that Maryland could win, but if Bowie's able to control and Ty Berry can, can get back to his form and start knocking down shots again, uh, Northwestern could take it as well. So I think that's going to be a very evenly matched game. All right, then on Thursday, first of the Minnesota Golden Gophers heading to East Lansing to take on the Spartans. The most fun matchups to watch in this matchup will be in the backcourt, where uh, we'll likely watch Elijah Hawkins and Mike Mitchell duel with Tyson Walker and A.J. Haggard. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the the big guys in this game are mostly defense-focused, and um you have been inconsistent at best, but I think, you know, if Minnesota is going to sort of avoid a letdown, you know, after their recent hot streak, you know, came to an end and, and sort of rewrite the ship and pick up a road win here, it's, it's going to be driven by their guards. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, Michigan state is still continuing to try to find it. Um, they've been inconsistent at times. It'll be really, really important I think, for them to not drop this game um, and continue to prove to the committee that, um, they belong and they can fend off teams that, um, you know, are are less talented than them. Um, and then finally, Illinois heads to Ann Arbor to take on uh, Michigan. So, again, I think, you know, Michigan's been notoriously bad at, at defense this year. Um, and so I'd expect the Illini to get open looks. Um, you know, Terrace Reed, I think, you know, has an opportunity to um, – you know, have a role here on the boards, um, you know, when Illinois goes small. But I, I think this is one where, again, you know, I know Michigan has a home game against Ohio State early in this week. They have an opportunity to turn their season around with sort of back-to-back um, games that are winnable and against quality opponents. But, um, you know, at, at the same time, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, both Ohio State and Illinois, who appear to be tougher and better coached, go in there and get wins and, and really send sort of Michigan season into, you know, even more of a tailspin than it's already in it. And so in in some ways, I think this is gut check week for Michigan. And, you know, we'll really see what they're made of um, as Ohio State and Illinois come in there this week. All right, we have just one game on Friday, and that is Indiana going to Madison, and I will actually be at this game, so uh, say hi if you see me. I will likely be wearing a Frank Kaminsky jersey um, because, you know, it's hard to let go of the past. Um, So interesting stylistic matchup. I think, you know, Wisconsin, as we talked about, has just a lot of guys that can fill it up, Um, so Indiana's really going to have to set their defense and not give up a ton of threes, um, which, you know, is not great. Uh, not how they've been, not how they've been playing well this year. Um, they've really tried to funnel a lot into the post and I, I'm sure they'll also send a couple doubles post doubles at, at crawl when he has it. Although he's been very good at passing out of those, um, Indiana is going to need to score to win the game. They're going to need to rely on Mbako and he's going to be a little bit of a matchup problem for, uh, for, Wisconsin as he'll likely draw, I guess, AJ store, um, which is not exactly how you want this to go. If you're the Badgers, he probably will also see some of John Blackwell and maybe some of Max Klesman. So, you know, renew and, and where we'll be able to, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be running out there in, in the two big lineups. Wisconsin shouldn't have a ton of problems there uh, as Crowell and wall possess the, uh, a good amount of size. And that's, that's thrown Indiana off its game. Um, 
you know, I think if if Xavier Johnson is not is play, is playing and and engaged, that brings another dimension. But I think that Wisconsin will have the offensive firepower to keep Indiana at bay. All right, three games on Saturday, the first of which is Penn State and Ohio State. So, um, I, you know, I, I think there's there's a, a lot of potential intriguing matchups to look at this one, but I'm looking at the dueling lefties on the perimeter here when Jameson Battle and Kanye Cleary likely will tangle. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game, and so I think it's going to matter for, you know, do the playmakers um, create enough plays to um, – to, to maybe either allow the Nittany Lions to steal one or allow Ohio State to defend their home court. Ohio State was not successful in defending their home court this past week against the Badgers. So I think it's going to be really crucial for them to sort of um, keep their solid tournament profile intact for them to come out and execute flawlessly in this game. But, um, you know, Penn, Penn State in a little bit of a rut after this week, I think they've got two opportunities to um, you know, pick up two quality wins this week. So we'll see what they're made of there. Purdue and Iowa are, is the second game of the day on Saturday. Do not get tempted into thinking that Iowa can upset Purdue here. Um, these teams already played this year. It was not a close game. This is not going to go like the Nebraska game uh, for Purdue. They will take care of Iowa. They will handle them on the glass and um, they will lock down defensively and pick up this win on the road where they've seemed to struggle of late. Uh, Nebraska Northwestern will probably be the best game of, of these three of the day. Uh, you <laughs> coined the term immovable force again, like movable force against immovable object or whatever you wanted to call the Nebraska Rutgers game. Sort of a, a similar game, just um, in a different part of the country here. Uh, we've talked about how impressed we've been with Northwestern really, you know, up and down all throughout the season, aside from that Chicago State game. I am interested to see how Nebra- how that run and gun Nebraska offense um, fares at home against, you know, probably the best or, you know, one of the three best defenses in uh, in the conference. It's really hard to get separation against these Northwestern guards on defense and you know, their, their big guys bring a, a little bit of, of muscle that I, you know, even even though they just faced off against Zach, you, you know, I, I think this one's going to be a, a little different of an animal. And I don't expect Nebraska to repeat their 60 percent performance from three. Um, so I think this game's going to be really, really close. I think it's going to be lower scoring than Nebraska wants it. And um, I think it's a great opportunity for Northwestern to, to steal one on the road. And then. We find we get to the end of a loaded slate and look at Sunday uh, when we are when we have Maryland hosting Michigan State. Um, kind of an important game for both teams, you know. Michigan State is is trying to stack some wins here, and uh, you know from from their point of view, will hopefully be coming off a win against Minnesota um, and ready to kind of take a road win. While Maryland is is back on track uh, to a degree um, with with the wins they've had this week, so. I'm I'm looking to see, you know, I think this is a game that Julian Reese should really be able to take advantage of Michigan State's uh, front court. Um, it was kind of interesting to see Michigan State experiment with putting Sissoko on Ty Rogers in their game against Illinois. So I'm not sure what other odd combinations Tom Izzo has up his sleeve there. Um, but again, just like we talked about, uh, you know, in some of these games earlier, I think Jameer Young, Tyson Walker, 
is going to be a battle of the scoring point guards. Um, so if if Walker can get hot from three, you know, that things obviously bode well for Sparty. Um, but if Young can kind of continue attacking the rim and, and converting and getting to the free throw line, which, again, he should be because this Michigan State team, you know, has some issues with their post presence, especially on defense. Um, this could this could be a game that Maryland can take. So, I, again, this should be pretty much a toss up. Um, and I'm I'm interested to see. I think, you know, it's it's hard to pick against Michigan State, but it's also hard to pick against home court. So I, I honestly have no idea what's going to happen in this game. Uh, and then finally, we have. Rutgers going to Illinois, um, and this is a game, again, strength of Illinois' offense versus the strength of Rutgers' defense, but I think Illinois has the defensive versatility to really keep Rutgers off the board. Um, I This is going to be a game where Dane Danger needs to play just to try and keep Cliff Omarui off the boards and keep Coleman Hawkins out of foul trouble um, You know, on, on against a physical Rutgers team. Um it's it's going to come down to if Domask can keep scoring and Goody can hit some threes. I think Illinois at home is is good enough to beat this Rutgers team, even though they're they're still shorthanded. Um, but again, it's going to be interesting to see how Underwood kind of kind of manages his rotation, if you can call it that, this game. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. Um, thank you to Brewbags for sponsoring. If you've got questions, comments, concerns. Uh, we are at big 10 hoops weekly at gmail.com. So let us hear whatever you want. Uh, and thank you for listening. We will see you next week.